Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about how online trolls might be just as bad in real life, an auditory illusion rattlesnakes use to trick human brains, and the universe's most epic object, the blazar. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Are internet trolls just as nasty in real life? Or is there something about the internet that makes good people turn nasty? Researchers recently took a look at this question, and it turns out that when it comes to online discussions, some users are just bad apples. This new study from Aarhus University in Denmark tested the mismatch hypothesis, which is the idea that people act differently online than they do in person. It's a common explanation for why political discussions turn especially toxic online. I mean, you're much more likely to be polite to someone you're interacting with face-to-face than an anonymous stranger on the internet, right? Well, the scientists didn't find much evidence to support that. Instead, they say that people who act aggressively online are just as hostile in person. The internet just makes their behavior easier to see. The team surveyed more than 8,000 Americans and Danes about their experiences and behavior in political conversations both on and offline. People with more peaceable personalities reported opting out of political talk in any form. If you don't like confrontation in the real world, you don't like it online either. But people who tended to be hostile reported being the same way in online political discussions as they were in offline ones. That suggests that a troll's aggressive behavior would be the same offline. It's just more visible online. The researchers found that the people who were hostile online were more motivated by the desire for status and the thrill of risk. These personality traits led them to use the features of the internet to fight with people and fulfill those needs. But one thing was true across the board. Participants agreed that political discussions feel way worse online. Scientists say it's because exchanges on the internet are so much more public. Unfortunately, the team thinks this isn't a problem we can fix through education. Trolls know that their words hurt, which is exactly why they hurl the hate they do. Instead, they say the best approach is for platforms or group moderators to describe what kind of conduct is acceptable. Making the comments of trolls less visible denies them the attention they seek. That might help to break the cycle of online hostility by showing other users that their conduct is not okay. So when it comes to trolls, use the report button freely. Maybe that can help make online discussions a little more civil. The rattle on a rattlesnake's tail is way more advanced than a simple warning signal. It turns out that a rattlesnake can create an auditory illusion that tricks us into thinking it's a lot closer than it is. In case you've never had the pleasure of meeting a rattlesnake in the wild... When a rattlesnake feels threatened, it'll create a rattling sound with its tail. That sound is a clear signal to stay away. If you've ever heard it firsthand, you probably got the message pretty quickly. Recently, scientists studying how rattlesnakes fend off threats have found that there's a lot more to the rattle than we thought. Rattlesnakes have rules for their rattles, and they change those rules to fool us. In their study, the researchers pushed various objects toward the rattlesnakes while recording their reactions. As they pushed things like a fake human torso toward a snake in a lab, it would begin shaking its rattle, 
slowly. As the object approached, the snake rattled faster and faster. The researchers figured out that the snakes weren't just warning potential predators, they were communicating some metric of distance. It's kind of like how the backup sensors in your car might beep faster and faster as your car approaches a wall. But that's not all that happened. Once the object was so close that the snake was rattling at 40 times per second, it changed the rules. Instead of rattling slightly faster the closer the object got, the snake doubled its rattling speed. To find out how this influenced would-be intruders, the researchers had volunteers use VR to walk through a virtual grassland. The volunteers were asked to tell the researchers when they thought they were about three feet or one meter away from the snake. On average, the volunteers would stop walking right after the rattling jumped in speed and would guess the snake was a meter away, despite the fact that it was still four meters away. Because the participants learned that the rattle got faster as they got closer, the jump in speed tricked them into thinking the snake was much closer than it was. The researchers think that the rattlesnake uses this illusion as a sort of distance safety margin that warns attackers not to come any closer. And you know what? They wouldn't have to tell me twice. What's the most powerful thing in the universe? A star? A supernova? A black hole? No, none of these compare to the epic awesomeness that is a blazar. A blazar is the turducken of awesome space objects. It's a supermassive black hole inside a radioactive accretion disk inside an active galaxy. Oh, and it shoots jets of radiation from either end at close to the speed of light, right in our direction. Allow me to explain. Most large galaxies contain supermassive black holes at their centers, even our own Milky Way. Black holes collect the gas and dust and other debris around them so fast that not everything can keep up. This forms a sort of traffic jam around the black hole, known as an accretion disk. The black hole exerts enough gravitational pressure on the disk to heat it up to millions of degrees, which makes it emit a massive amount of radiation. Meanwhile, the black hole is spinning rapidly, which forms a magnetic field strong enough to turn the radioactive material into powerful jets that blast out of each end at close to the speed of light for hundreds of thousands of light years. If those jets aim perpendicular to our vantage point, the object is called a radio galaxy. If they're at an angle, it's called a quasar. And if the jet is pointed right at us, making it bright enough to be detectable by Earth-based instruments as far as 9 billion light-years away, then it's a blazar. As for why they're called blazars, it's not because of their powerful blaze of light. See, the first blazar ever discovered was actually mislabeled. In 1929, German astronomer Kuno Hofmeister published a list of 354 objects that he thought were variable stars— or stars whose brightness fluctuates over a short period of time. One of those objects was called BL Lactari, or BL Lac for short. But a few decades later, scientists started to realize that BL Lac didn't behave like other stars. 
it behaved more like a quasar, another mysterious object they were studying at the time. Eventually, they figured out that BL Lack was a quasar-like object at the center of a distant galaxy. They also began finding other objects just like it, which they called BL Lack objects. And soon enough, BL Lack was combined with quasar to coin the term blazar. Blazars are some of the most energetic objects in the entire universe, and they're pointed right at us. All right, well, let's recap what we learned today to wrap up. Well, we learned that online trolls may be just as hostile offline as they are on the Internet. That contradicts the so-called mismatch hypothesis, which says that the strange conditions of the Internet make people act differently than they would normally. A survey of more than 8,000 people found that people who avoid hostility in person tend to avoid political discussions both on and offline while people who act hostile online act just as hostile offline, possibly because they get a kick out of risk-taking and are motivated by gaining social status. What do you think about this one, Cody? (sighs) Does this ring true to you? Well, as a troll, (laughs) speaking as a hostile troll, no, I don't know. I mean, the, the thing about the internet is it's performative. Everything is performative. It's... yeah. Unless you're in a direct message conversation with somebody in private, there is a performative element to every single thing that you do, and that affects every single thing that you do, whether consciously or unconsciously. It's just clear. You just think differently about everything you post. And the problem with that is if I'm talking to you, Ashley, you're my audience, and I know how to talk to you, but if you're on social media, your audience is likely a very disparate group of people And they're not there for a particular event. Like if I'm performing in a theater production, right, the audience is people who are coming to a theater production. If I'm performing, quote unquote, on Facebook or Twitter, there's uh, uh, so many people there. are. I'm followed online by academics. I'm followed on Twitter by people who play Final Fantasy 14. I'm followed by people. I'm followed by the AEW Women's World Champion, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. She's an actual dentist. That's why DMD is her title. She's an actual member of the American Dental Association. She has her own private practice in Florida. That was like the best ineffective name drop ever. I like I had no idea who you're talking about, but it sounds important. So, right. So anyway, what I'm just trying to say is I'm sure that many of these people are following me for radically. And, and then there's also, of course, my like high school friends. So it's just it's impossible to effectively do any of this stuff. And then when you add in something ideologically driven, like politics, there's just no chance that you're going to come off the right way to everybody. So, yeah, I mean, we know this from having a podcast like we we write for a certain audience. We we speak for a certain audience. If we had to speak for everyone, I'm not sure that we would be as effective of communicators. Right. It, you have to tailor your message. So that can really make communication on social media fraught. Yeah. And even the podcast has its own problems. I've, I've learned this also from in radio, right? You say something you think is completely innocent and someone hears it a certain way. And then it's like, there's the angry email and right. there's only so much you can do. So I don't know. I think most people like us. <laughs> I think, I think the majority like us. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Hope so. <laughs> and we learned that rattlesnakes use an auditory illusion to make us think they're closer than they are. 
Rattlesnakes rattle faster and faster the closer a threat gets to them, but once they reach about 40 rattles per second, they double their rattling speed. And in an experiment, that jump in speed made human volunteers believe that the snake was a lot closer than it was. So it's pretty effective. Have you ever been around a, a rattlesnake? I was going to ask you. You lived in Texas. Oh, I never once saw a rattlesnake in Texas. I, I did. I think I encountered a rattlesnake in Southern California, but yeah, not not a lot. I, I haven't had a lot of run-ins with rattlesnakes. Our rattles, rattlesnakes are in Texas, right? Well, Texas is a massive state, Cody. <laughs> I haven't been everywhere in Texas. <laughs> Do they have scorpions in Texas? They so some place so yeah, like West Texas, that's like the <laughs> desert area. And so that's where they have the rattlesnakes and the scorpions. But where I lived around Dallas, you know, there are a lot of trees and grasslands and stuff. It's a little different. So I did I didn't I didn't mean everywhere. In <laughs> no, Te- I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in Texas. But I yes. I guess you're right to to your point, that doesn't really narrow it down, right? Right. That's like saying, like, that's like saying, are there oak trees in the United States? It's like, that's, right. Yeah, somewhere. Sure. Well, I'm glad we're both snake safe. Yes. And we learned that a blazar is a supermassive black hole inside a radioactive accretion disk inside an active galaxy that shoots jets of radiation from either end at close to the speed of light right in our direction. That's the important part. If it's not pointed in our direction, it's either a quasar or a radio galaxy, which doesn't sound as awesome, but it's equally as awesome. Anyway, a blazar is one of the most energetic objects in the universe, and I love it so much. But is it as energetic as a little kid hearing Baby Shark for the first time? (laughs) I feel like you probably have more experience with that than I do. (laughs) No, we... I think we have an unspoken ban on that song in our house for now, but uh, it's coming. Yep. Today's writers were Steffi Drucker, Cameron Duke, and Ashley Hamer, who's also our managing editor. Our producer and audio editor is Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new, do, 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 something new <laughs> in just a few minutes. Oh, I felt energetic there. <laughs> <laughs> and until then, stay curious. Stay curious.